Good morning, church. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. It's always a joy and a pleasure to be with you and to worship our living Savior. Amen. We are the family of God and we are called to be Him in the world in which we live. We find ourselves in the context of this current modern culture uh, and we want to make an effort to look like Him in every possible way. And so one of those ways is we come together on uh, first day of the week to raise His name up, to praise Him. Uh, as we've sung together, we'll look into the Word in just a moment. Uh, we gather around the Lord's table together and we celebrate His resurrection because it's because of that resurrection and the shedding of His blood that we have eternal life, that we've got the hope for all that we have in this world. And so we do come together today to celebrate that, but also to encourage one another. Thanks for joining us and being a part of Crosspoint this morning. We want to say welcome to our guests that are here today. Thanks for joining us. It's truly an honor you're here. And of course, if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love for you to be a part of our Crosspoint family right here. All of us know that we need a Savior. And we've surrendered ourselves to, to God. We've said, God, use us in your story. Help us be ignited for what you're doing in the world. We want to join you in that story. And so we invite you to, to join us as we join God in the world and what he's doing in the world. We're going to be in the book of Haggai this morning, and for those uh, that were here last week, we launched uh, this series, Uh, but Haggai is in the Old Testament, and if you start in the book of Matthew in in the New Testament, most of us know where that is. If you go backwards about three books, you'll get to the book of Haggai, and so maybe that'll help you uh, in the location of that without having to turn to the table of contents. It's one of those obscure minor prophet books that we we generally don't go to very often, if if at all, and so this has been uh, an exciting study. Uh, as I've prepared for th- this sermon series, and I hope it has been uh, for you uh, as well. Well, we'll be in Haggai chapter 1 in just a moment. All of our text will be on the screen uh, as well. I want to remind you, too, there are a couple of things that you need to be aware of. One is uh, every uh, so often in the course of a year, we try to designate a Sunday as Baptism Sunday. Now, you can be baptized any day of the week, any time you want to be, uh, to declare that uh, following of Jesus Christ publicly in a very public way. But we know that some of us here in the audience need to make that happen. And we've been waiting for a moment, something to kind of push us along, push us over the edge to make that public confession. And December 4th will be our Baptism Sunday here. So I want you to be thinking about that. Maybe you haven't yet decided to be baptized. Maybe you've been on the fence, you've been thinking, studying about it. Maybe you've known this is something I need to do, but I'm just not sure when I want to do that. Well, we just revealed that to you. December 4th is when you want to do that. Uh, our hope is. So hopefully you'll put that on your calendar. You'll bring a pair of uh, uh, clothes you don't mind getting wet, and we've got towels. The water will be warm, I promise you. It'll be a great Sunday for you to begin that public proclamation of who you are in Jesus Christ through baptism to find the indwelling of the Holy Spirit through that process too. We'd love to join you in celebration of that December 4th. But I also want to remind you, tonight is a very special community outreach uh, event. We've got our trunk or treat happening right here on our property. We'll be on the north side of the building primarily. There's going to be a, a hayride. There's going to be kettle corn. There's going to be apple cider. Do I need to say more? I mean, you need to be here. It's going to be a fun time to be together as we uh, entertain some kids and families from the neighborhoods around our church building here, but also our own church family. It's going to be a great time to be together, to play some games, just have some fun, uh, 6 to 7.30. I hope you'll make a decision to be here. And uh, we've been urging you to call to say, look, I'll be part of the decorating the trunk event. Uh, Maybe you didn't get a chance to do that. Come anyway. It doesn't matter. We want you to be a part of that process too. So it's a great opportunity just to be together as the family of God tonight and to have a lot of fun uh, this time of year. And as already has been said, we're hoping that some cooler weather shows up pretty soon as we move through that. 
Well, I want to give you some background, if you weren't here last week, and just to remind us of where the book of Haggai kind of begins. And this preacher prophet has a specific message for the Israelites some 2,500 years ago. But what we discover, as really with all of Scripture, is that God has something to tell us even today from stories and events that happened so long ago. We can pull from there ideas of who God wants us to be and how dedicated he is to pursuing his creation. Uh, And so we know that the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity about 587 B.C., uh, King Nebuchadnezzar came over, he destroyed the, uh, the town of Jerusalem, tore down the walls, he tore down the, the temple that Solomon had built, he stripped everything out that was worth anything, and he enslaved all of the population, most of them were taken back to the Babylonian Empire. Uh, they were there for quite a period of time, until a new world power rose up, and that was the Persian Kingdom. Uh, And then the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and King Darius thought, you know what, in order for us to get along in the world, yes, we are the world power, you are a conquered people, but we want to get along. And so the best way to do that really is to allow some of your culture to exist, and maybe even let some of you go back home if that's what you want to do. Uh, And so they allowed everyone to worship as they saw fit. About 50 years after the Israelites went into Babylonian captivity, this first wave was allowed to come back to Jerusalem and begin the rebuilding process. King Darius sent about 50,000 Israelites back to Jerusalem, and right away they got to work on rebuilding their homes, rebuilding the temple, uh, and just kind of seeing what was going on. But then they had some opposition to the rebuilding of the temple from folks who were just north of them, the Samaritans. And so We found out last week that they stopped any kind of work on the temple for 14 years. They just sat there. And they worked on their own homes and their own houses rather than focusing on God and what he had called them to do in that story. And so we pick up in our storyline in Haggai chapter 1 verse 13 this morning. Because Haggai is not satisfied, and neither is the Lord with what's going on. He doesn't like that we haven't done any work on the temple, and so he's calling them back into service, if you will, after some, uh, some time of quietness and just not moving forward in the process. And so our text begins in verse 13. It says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. Now, I want to stop there for a moment, moment because I hope you've got your Bibles out. If you've got your Bible, I want you to circle that. I want you to underline an asterisk beside it because it's an important phrase for you and I to remember in our own life. God says, I am with you. And that doesn't stop 2,500 years ago. God has always been with us. Even in moments we felt like we were walking alone, maybe he still was there. He's not left us. So circle that. That's an important text to remember. Verse 14. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. Oh, they got ignited, like our theme has been for this year, that we would get ignited about the story of God and what he's doing in our own life. And they began the work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. And so they've been stirred up. God has taken the, uh, the word that he has spoken and stirred the people, not just the governor of Judah, not just the, uh, the, the high priest, but all of the people, the remnant that's come back. Everyone got excited about rebuilding the house of God again, and they began the, the task of doing that. You see, what we find out in this text is that God remembers to give us hope 
to do the things that have been placed on our heart. He reminds us, look, don't get discouraged. Don't lose hope. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to excite you again for what I've called you to do. And each and every one of us have some plan of God placed on our heart to get involved in ministry, to, to share that story of hope with those around us in some way, in some, some fashion. You think about just the history right here at Crosspoint. And we were a wondering group for a little while after we left Turnpike, and then in 2012, we built this building and opened uh, the doors uh, Easter Sunday. It's been a great adventure as we've only been here a little over four years, but there's been a lot of ministry that's happened here that has helped tell the story of God. We think about just coming together as we do every Sunday morning, and we, we worship Him. We give him praise for the blessings that we have in our life. We think about the ministry of Celebrate Recovery that meets here every single Tuesday night in our youth room. It's a place where folks can come who are wanting to express themselves and say, listen, I've got some habits, I've got some hang-ups, but I want to live for Jesus Christ. And so they, they come together and they celebrate that idea that none of us are really perfect, but they want to take it a step further. They want to talk about their imperfection, but yet move it into the story of Christ. We think about our community garden that's here on our property. We partnered with the city of Grand Prairie, and we know that many of the residents that live here come and they plant gardens. We know that some of the food that we grow is also given to homeless shelters. Uh, We do that on a recurring basis as we grow that food. It's important to understand we're entering the story of God on a level that has to do with that community garden. We think about places like Honduras, where we go every summer, and we work with the church there in Campamento. We've helped build the hospital there. We've helped educate children. We've adopted the orphanage in Kenya, Africa. Uh, Forty deaf children who have been thrown out by their own family because they are deaf. We've made a decision to do something about their predicament in life. And so they create this orphanage, and we support them and give them medical attention and the education they need, the skill sets they need to make a living in life. And we enter the story of God on that particular level. We've got great family ministry going on here, too. Terrific uh, youth ministry and children's ministry. We're in the process of building our new children's wing, and it's coming along. Hopefully, we'll be in that before the year's end. But it's a great opportunity to realize that God is blessing us in so many different ways. And so, like us, the folks in our story here have been stirred. They've been excited by the story of God. He's encouraged them to remind them, be ignited for me and who I am. And so they begin work on the temple of God. They get back after it after 14, 15 years. And then one month goes by, and they quit again. What is going on in this story? They gather for a festival because they think they've made some progress, and they show up, they set the table, they cook everything they need to, and everybody comes together to celebrate this, and they begin looking at the temple, and they think, is this all the progress that you've done? This is it? Why? I thought we were further along than than this. Last year, about a year ago, I built a gazebo for some friends of mine, and I would start out that process. It took me about a month on my free time working over there. But I remember I would get there about week number two. And I would show up on site and I would think, Hall, is this all the work you've got done? Man, this thing's going to take me forever. And sometimes in your own life, you've had moments like that too, where, where you look at what you're building, the things that are going on in your life, and you ask yourself, man, is this all I've got done? And while we take a look at what we're doing in our life, sometimes we, we can get discouraged. 
about the work or the lack of work. Maybe in your own life, as we talked about last week, you, you made a decision to get into the Word of God. You wanted to dig down deep. You wanted to go far beyond what normal would be for you to read what God is doing in your life, to, to have a vivid prayer life, maybe even create a prayer closet, to start journaling, to talk about what you're reading in the Word of God, how God is answering your prayer, you're posting those things. And somewhere along the way, that just plan fell by the wayside. It doesn't doesn't happen anymore. Maybe you made a decision to get involved in ministry. And for whatever reason, schedules, busyness, kids, you just haven't pulled the trigger on getting involved in what God is doing where you live and where you work. Or maybe for you, it's that one temptation and you're thinking, I thought by now I would be done with that. I thought I would have conquered that one thing. Most everything else I've got a handle on, but this one thing, it just keeps knocking on my door and I thought it would go away by now. Maybe you're discouraged for the lack of progress for your career. You thought maybe some other doors would open up that you might could walk through. Your title might change along the way and along with that maybe some, some better pay. You thought maybe you'd be out of debt by now, but Christmas is coming. That's probably not going to happen. There's any number of stories that we can plug into where we get discouraged because we thought things would be different than they are right now. And then we get to chapter 2 of Haggai and verse 3. The Lord again spoke to Haggai and he speaks to the people. And he says, does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. And Haggai is challenging the folks. Look at the Temple Mount. Look at the the foundation that started to be laid. And do you remember what Solomon's temple really looked like? We get discouraged along the way. Who's, who's left here that could see the glory that used to be Solomon's temple and they become discouraged? In our own lives, there are a couple of things that would discourage us today in our own journey, our own walk. And one we've talked about a lot this year, and that's comparisons. We end up comparing ourselves to those around us. We get on Facebook and we we check out all the social media. And we look at other families and what they're doing and maybe how pretty they are and how well-behaved their kids are. And we wonder, man, I thought I would be further along. I thought I would look more like that at this point. I thought my career would look like that. I thought I would be driving one of those. And the list goes on and on because we end up comparing ourselves to everyone else around us. The second thing that can discourage us today is a lack of progress in our own life. And again, we look at ourselves and we think, man, I thought I would have conquered that temptation by now. I I thought I would have read through the Bible by now. I I thought I would be firmly involved and invested in a ministry by now. I thought I would have fixed that relationship that I had with my mom or my dad by now. But we look at our lack of progress many times in our storyline and we get discouraged along the way. You see, we end up comparing our start to someone else's finish many times. 
And I look at how well that looks at the end of their story, at the end of their life. And I compare what they've worked for for 30 years to what I've worked for for two or three. And I wonder, why, does it, why, did, why don't I look like that? I mean, Haggai's asking this question in front of everyone that's gathered for this festival. And, and Haggai, most scholars believe, were probably about 75 years old. So when he went into Babylonian captivity, he was um, probably an adolescent, maybe young 20s. He would remember what the, the temple of Solomon looked like. He would remember that glory, and he's comparing it in his own mind to what used to be and to what lies before them now. And maybe in your own life, you're doing that as well. Maybe, maybe you're a woman who is in the workforce. Maybe you stay home with the kids. And you compare maybe your career to other women that you know. You, you, you look at how other kids look and the grades they have, the friends that you've got. And you ask yourself, man, I, I thought it would look different than this. I thought I'd have more time to pour into my kids, but the schedule just is busy, busy, busy. Maybe you're, you're a guy. And you're looking at other friends that you run around with or maybe your boss. And you think, man, I... I thought by now in life I would have made some progress and moved in that direction. And if you and I aren't careful at the end of the day, we ask this question of ourselves and we say, what is wrong with me? Why can't I accomplish what I thought God was helping me accomplish? Or maybe in your own spiritual life, you said, as I honestly reflect on who I am, I've been a Christian my whole life, and yet I'm still griping about fill in the blank. I've been a Christian my whole life, and yet I'm still looking to my own needs rather than to other people's needs. Why do I do that? Maybe in your own life, if you're real honest, you're not very reflective of your own theology and your own worship experience, your own life embedded in the life of Jesus Christ. Maybe you realize that I'm really not serving those around me, that really I'm just a consumer at the end of the day. And I'm asking really, what's in it for me? What's in it for my family? Rather than pursuing community with all of us as we live out the story of Christ in our life. And then one day you wake up discouraged like our Israelites in our story of Haggai. Man, they've already got what I've been working for. Remember, they came from Babylon. They know what that city looks like. They know what their God's temples look like. They know how productive and rich that country is that they've come from. And it seems like many times in my life I'm doing my best. But I don't feel like I'm making any progress. I mean, I pour into my spouse. I'm kind. I'm forgiving. I listen. And yet I don't get that reciprocated to me. I feel like giving up. I'm discouraged. I go in early to work. I come home late from work. And it seems the boss doesn't even know or realize what I'm giving up for the job. I signed up for this ministry, but it seems like really no one's participating. I'm one of the only ones that that come. I, I thought this thing would go crazy i thought it would be on fire we get discouraged i mean i help my adult kids 
in their life. I help with money and the house and babysitting. But they don't seem to be very appreciative of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting discouraged in that process. Spiritually, I keep trying to hammer away at this one thing that keeps knocking at my door. And it doesn't seem like I'm moving forward in that process. I'm not really sure I want to try any more. You're just discouraged. That's where we find our Israelites in our story. They're tired. They've got a little pressure in their life. God's called them to do something special. And they're finding all the different ways of why it's just not working out. And church, if I could be a little confessional this morning, there are moments I get discouraged too. I mean, just because I'm the preacher doesn't mean that Satan moves around me. I'm in it with you. There are moments that I get discouraged because of my own sinfulness and my lack of being able to accomplish what I want to spiritually, personally. Sometimes I don't feel good enough to be a part of a church and hold a position I do. The, the love and care many times that a congregation needs is absolutely overwhelming sometimes. And that's how Satan works on us. He chips away at us. Sometimes people don't like the worship or they don't like the, the ministry programming, whatever it may be, and they complain or, or they, they walk away. I think about my own life as, as a dad and as a husband. In both arenas, I could do better. And I'm not whining. What I'm saying is I'm with you. I understand. I get discouraged just like you do. But we have to remember what God told us last week. Remember, it was really simple. Three-step plan. God, God says, i tell you what I want you to do, Israel. What I want you to do is I want you to go up to the mountain. I want you to collect some timber. I want you to come down, and I want you to make me number one in your life. And God, in that same story, 2,500 years later, is speaking to us the same language. He says, yes, there are moments of discouragement, but I want you to go to the mountain. I want you to gather timber. I want you to come down. I want you to make me number one in your life. So this morning, again, the question, what have you left undone for 14 years? Because you may be a little discouraged in the process. Well, verse 4 is one of those verses I want you to highlight. I want you to circle. I want you to underline. It's an important one. Because God says to those Israelites, he says in verse 4, But now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God doesn't slow down. He says, listen, I want you guys to be strong, to understand your strength comes from the fact that I am with you. I am it. There's no one greater than me. I will supply all the strength, all the power, all the wisdom that you need in your life to accomplish what you need to do. What do I do if I'm discouraged? He says, be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Why should I be strong? Because I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the guy that brought you out of wherever you found your Egypt. 
and I've always been with you. I will never stop being with you. And then Paul, he reminds us about discouragement in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Paul is is tongue-in-cheek bragging about the things that he's had to deal with as a Christian man. He says, I want to tell you something, church. I've been shipwrecked. I've been on the high seas. I've been hungry. I've been without uh, clothing. I've been bitten by snakes. I have been beaten. I've been flogged. I've been imprisoned. Oh, I've done a lot for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He's pretty excited about that. Again, tongue-in-cheek. Because in chapter 12, then Paul says, but here's the deal. As much as I do in the kingdom of God, I still have what he calls a thorn in the flesh. And nobody really knows exactly what his scenario was. We don't know what was ailing him or attacking him. But he said, three times I asked for that to to go away. And God said, nope. I don't want you to get discouraged, but it's the thing that's going to keep you humble in the process. And Paul says to the church in chapter 12, beginning verse 9. Each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and trouble that I suffer for Christ. And this is the place you need to underline and circle. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God tells us, Look, in your weakness is when the world will see my strength and how mighty I truly am. So take pride in the weakness that you have because I'm going to come in and fill that gap. I'm going to be part of your story, and in doing so, I'll be part, a bigger part of the world's story in that process. You see, I don't have to be strong because God is. Are you all here this morning? I'm not sure. I mean, do y'all believe God is living and active and strong? I mean, that's who he is. Yes. You don't have to worry about your weaknesses because God is the God of the universe. And we have this idea that somehow God and Satan are equal, and that is the furthest thing from the truth. Satan is far below. And his day's coming when he will find out exactly how far. God is God. I mean, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you and me. And we can overcome. He is God. And he's telling us in the story with the Israelites here, I don't want you just to talk about the story. I don't want you just to dream about the story, to dream about ministry. I want you to do the story. I want you to rise up above your discouragement, above the problems that Satan sticks in your way and understand that I'm your God. I've never left you and I never will. You are my people. And if you're anything like me, there are moments in your life when you get discouraged, but I want you to remember this part of our story. God says, I am with you. I'm called to share his story no matter how many of you are involved, that can be discouraging. You're called to share the story of Jesus Christ, no matter how many people come up against you. 
Last week we looked at the Samaritans coming down and pressuring them to stop work on the temple, and they stopped. You and I have Samaritans metaphorically in our life. But we need to look right back at them and say, look, my God is way bigger than you. Whatever problem you're bringing me, understand my God is going to crush it. And in my weakness, he will be made strong. I'm called in this story just to lay another stone. I'm called to put another stone down. I'm called to move forward in that, to keep going. A few weeks ago, I helped a friend uh, lay some flooring in his house, in their house. And early on in that project, I would go over and there was a lot of tile to be laid, a lot of laminate wood to be laid. And early on, I would walk into that room and I would put down some some tile or I'd put down some pieces of wood and I would look across that big vast space in front of me and I would think, whoa, just keep putting another one down. Just keep going. It's coming. There it is. Okay. And that's what we do in our life. God calls us just to lay another stone down. Never says it's going to be easy. He never says, I'm going to send an army to help you. At times, we're hoping that's the fact. But he says, you just keep laying that stone. You see, successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. And I don't know about you, but I want to be successful. Successful in following my God with what he's called me to do. No matter what Satan is doing. So be strong and be faithful to your spouse. Be strong and be respectful and faithful to your parents. Be strong and finish getting out of debt. Be strong and finish that workout that you've been trying to get to. Get that weight down. Be strong and continue to pray, continue to be in devotion, understanding how God's calling you out of his word, what to do in this life. You be strong and pursue the relationships of those who are in the family of God, even though you want to sit in a corner by yourself. You get out of that chair and you get involved in the story of God. You be strong and you keep loving others even when they don't love you back. You be strong and you be a strong teammate even when everyone else at your workplace is not carrying their weight. God says, be strong because I am with you. Be the person I've called you to be because I am with you. And in the strength of Jesus Christ, you and I will simply lay another stone down. And we'll move forward a little bit and we'll lay another stone down. And eventually that temple will be built. Eventually, what he's got for you in your life will come to fruition. Paul, to the church, churches in the Galatia area in chapter 6, Paul says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of bless, blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Paul urges us, even in all that he's been through, he knows that Christians are going to go through some suffering, some tough times. But understand, when you follow Jesus Christ, Christ, that road leads to the cross. There is going to be some suffering along the way. And when we embrace Jesus Christ, we embrace the suffering as well, because what we know is in my weakness, he's made everything strong. 
He's made our story look like it should look. And this morning, we go back to Haggai to finish out just a few verses before we call it quits today. He says in verse 5, this is God continuing to speak. My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, in just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all of the nations and and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. In this future temple, I will bring peace, says the Lord. How is that possible? How how can this future temple that we're working on be more glorious than Solomon's temple, as elegant as it was? Well, what we discover in the Old Testament is God does a whole lot of foreshadowing. He he shines a flashlight toward the New Testament because he wants his people to see and know that in the whole process, Jesus has been part of it. In the whole picture, God has been there. How will, though, this temple be different than Solomon's temple? You see, in Jesus' day, the, the temple was in Jerusalem, and if you loved God, if you served God, you went to Jerusalem, to the temple to make your sacrifice. You spoke to the priest. You said your prayers there at the temple because you wanted to be right with God. But in the New Testament, we're told that now the followers of Jesus Christ are the temple. That God's Spirit lives within each and every one of us. It is here where God dwells now. I no longer have to go to Jerusalem. Guess what? God came to me in the form of Jesus Christ. God comes to us. He made his sacrifice on the cross. But even greater is that he rose from the dead and sits at the right hand of God. You see, Jesus Christ is that greater glory that is alluded to here in Haggai. And God gets glorified when you speak kindly, when you love those around you, when you forgive those who've offended you, when you raise up the name of Jesus Christ and you place him above all things, no matter what might be going on in your life, when you offer grace and mercy to those around you who look different, who talk different, who have a different skin color. Whatever the scenario is, we give glory to Jesus Christ. He came to us, and Jesus makes us very aware that we are not alone, that you and I are called simply to to lay another stone. You and I have a mountaintop experience, and sometimes we forget that we are on the mountain with God. He has blessed us in so many ways. And God says, I want you to get to work on my story. I want you to start putting me first in your life. I want you to get down on your hands and knees and lay one more stone. And you just keep working through that story, knowing this, that I love you. I sent my son for you. I will never leave you. Be strong and move forward in my story. That's what God's calling us to this morning. I'm going to invite Brad and the praise team back to the stage at this time.
And as we sing this song, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered along the wall of this room. This is a moment for us to reflect and to see, where am I in this story? Have I decided to abandon? Am I so discouraged that I've walked away? Or am I in the middle of that work process? Am I just going to lay another stone? Or am I in the process somewhere in between? And my, my hope is this morning that you will feel and know that Jesus Christ loves you more than anything in the world. There is absolutely nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God. Nothing can pluck you out of God's hand. And so the call this morning is to rekindle that relationship that you've got with Jesus Christ. To say, you know what, I'm going to get back to the building process. I'm going to be strong in the process. I'm going to cast discouragement aside and realize that my God is with me and he's called me to be a part of what he's doing in this world. And so I'm going to join him on that story and end that story. You and I have some exciting things that we can look forward to because of what Jesus has done for you and I. And it's our call to get ignited for the story of Christ and to join him in this world, in the story of spreading that message of hope to all those around us. My hope is that you will make a decision today to join him and keep working and keep being strong. Let's stand together.